Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp, as always joined by the man who loves monkeys in the strip club, Will Murden. You sound fucking awful, mate. I sound like I have been at a strip club for a long time, <laughs> smoking white ox, and either that I've caught something off one of the uh, <laughs> fine single mothers of uh, establishments that we have here. Um, yeah, have I don't ever... feel great, I don't sound great. No, you certainly don't, and it's going to be off-putting for our wonderful listeners, but have you ever put in a proper stint at a, a strip club? Like, what's the... What's the longest you think going back that you've you've hung it's around not, one of those? Like it's not not long. Like it's never really been my jam. Like I like in terms of time and uh, I guess like economic input, minimal, <laughs> minimal. I, I've never really got into that life. Like a, yeah, it's not my, it's not my thing. It's not okay. my thing. What about you? No, yeah, like it wouldn't be a lot. I think there's there's been a few sessions like on football trips where you, you end up kind of squirreled away in one for a number of hours. You're not overly yeah. happy about it, but... But I just, I... Yeah, it's not really my... Th- like, yeah, it's just not my thing. I don't need to... Like, don't get me wrong. Um, buck shows, footy trips... Tuesday nights, like happy to <laughs> happy to go, but I don't need to go and burn like four hundred bucks. We, we, I mean, both like, you and I to, just to, don't have that disposal. Well, no, we don't. And like, and, and then you've always got that mate that you're with who falls in love there, yeah. and you're like, dude, like, yeah. seriously, think about it. And he's like, no, 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 she like she really <laughs> likes me. Like, I've got a number. I'm like, dude, you don't have a number. You've got gonorrhea. Like, just. <laughs> Let's let's move on here. Uh, good. We have just really <laughs> taken this show to new levels this year. We, some I, I real, some real highbrow conversation here. we got to look at changing that uh, entrance music, I think. Mate, you picked that as well. You picked it. And it's I just did. Sparks, and I, it and sparks I, stripper conversations every time. Every time. It's, it was poor on my behalf there. <laughs> All right, we are College Football Down Under. We're part of the Vault Studio podcast. Make sure you head across to their socials and support those. Burnley Brewing, JA, if I had one thing that could sort my congested face up, it would be a effervescent, chilled, multi-delicious, with well-balanced hops beverage, libation that I could consume and it would make me feel so much better. You're making me sicker, actually, J.A. Yes. In the head, and in the head as well as physically. <laughs> look, so look, I blame you. Get us it, those Burnley Brewings. It is well known that Burnley Brewing has magical-like uh, qualities about it, that yep. when you consume it, it, it makes you a better human. It, health it, tonic. It's a health tonic. You feel better about yourself in all facets of life. So uh-huh. those who are in the Melbourne region can get on down there and easily access it. You and I, not so fucking easy. So we rely on the kindness of our wonderful producer to send it across. And he is not a fucking kind bloke by the sounds <laughs> of things. Not. He's not. He's leaving he's, us dry. Exactly. He's, he's affecting our health, knowingly really hurting us. All right, mate, where, where are we? We're at the end of the season. 
Mate, we are in the weeds here. That's where we are. Done it. Uh, yes, we are at the end of the season somehow. This has happened. Conference championship games. It feels weird because, I mean, I've been quite vocal on this show before about um, where I think the season stops, and this is kind of it for me, and I like finding out who's in the playoff, but everything outside of that and the bowl games don't really interest me that much. So I'm not super into kind of what happens after this point. I love the season, and and it's over already. I mean, mercifully, because I'm a Miami fan, and fuck me, was that a shit show this year. Um, but in terms of college football, it feels like of all seasons, this has blitzed past. Um, and I don't know, like, when we kind of look back very quickly, your take on it here, but has it been notable? Has it been kind of one of those ones that, you know, this is our fifth season of the podcast. Is it something that we kind of look back and go, hey, this one really stood out or it didn't? Um, what are your thoughts on kind of how season 2022 has played out? I mean, the immediate takeaway for me was that this had some awesome games this year and there were some really good storylines that were kind of bubbling up and we had a lot of chaotic weeks where really cool things were happening. And it is all like kind of, got to this crescendo and then somewhat let down. Like, and we'll talk about it a little bit when we get to the conference championship games. But this week's slate of conference championship games are just not that all appealing. There's not the great storylines there where there's a lot in the line in these games where the conference championship kind of the, the winner gets the spot. There's a few teams that can play spoiler, don't get me wrong, that, that's kind of somewhat fun, but there's not these uh, many of these matchups where you're like, yes, we've been waiting for this one because they've all been played out. And it just feels a little bit disappointing from that front, especially with how good this year has been from a week-in, week-out, cracking matchups. Is that the trade-off? I think so, I think so. Because the, week, you know, the, the week's games are so good that you're going to have to pay that bill eventually and, and that's come due in the conference championship Exactly right. We, we, do not like have, run. we do not have a plethora of one-loss teams who are all yes. vying for contention. Like Everyone has two losses outside of the, the, the leaders in each of the conferences. They've all got two losses or three losses in a lot of cases and it's, it was cool when that happened because it was surprising, but now there's no one left where you're really like, oh, they're going to get, oh, no, it doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, don't disagree. And we could just end up with a whole bunch of upsets and then Alabama, Ohio State all end up back in. <laughs> Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but this, I, I've got here in my notes. This year has a different feel to it. That's part of it, certainly, and, and and just to build on kind of the points you're saying, a bit of a rise of some teams that have had success previously. You look at USC, who have been dormant for a long, long time. You look at Tennessee, who, yeah, their history's not as illustrious as maybe Vols fans would like to believe it is, and they've certainly won a championship, um, but it was only one. They haven't been a superpower across any great span of time. However, they have ascended to something more than just pesky. Um, certainly been uh, in contention this year. Uh, and then you've had a bit of an upset with the likes of Oklahoma being down a little bit. Um, you've seen K-State and TCU rise, which wasn't probably on the cards or certainly we didn't think so um, earlier in the season. Yes, uh, and who would have who would have Clemson thought, fall away? Who would have thought TCU had been held back for twenty years by Gary Patterson? <laughs> I mean, I did, I did. 
There's only so many times you can say good 4-2-5 defense. Um, not only has that a different feel from that space, but also the fact that the the teams with the best quarterbacks, or it's felt like this for probably 10 years, outside of maybe the Mac Jones Alabama, but certainly like two are highly rated special quarterback, Bryce Young, highly rated special quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, highly rated special quarterback, Deshaun Watson, same thing. You, you know, you kind of go back and back and back. But this year, all of a sudden, you've got a Michigan team with an okay quarterback. You've got a Georgia team with a quarterback that, you know, yes, he's, you know, pretty good and he's even in Heisman conversations at the moment. So I don't want to downplay Stetson Bennett, but he came in as a guy who was in a holding pattern last year, you know, limited physically but has gone and won a national championship and has now put his team in a position to do that again. Um, and so the quarterback kind of in these dominant positions hasn't been quite the person that we maybe thought it was going to be. Max Duggan, of course, um, you know, probably the exception that maybe Caleb Williams, he came in with a lot of fanfare to USC. Um, but, you know, Cam Rising, nothing that special. So in terms of guys that have made it through the championship game. So it's just interesting that the teams that have come through and really risen, not necessarily based on that amazing quarterback. In fact, we believe we had two of those amazing quarterbacks, and CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. And they've both not, not bombed, but they're now, by all intents and purposes, kind of out of the conversation of, of national champions. Well, they could still lob in, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, like two, two of the three that you would consider in Stroud, Young, and Caleb Williams being the third are not taking place in conference championship weekend, which is surprising where, where the game is usually so dominated by the mm. position, especially at power programs like that, Yeah, where, whereby it's, it's almost a given that when, once you've got a star like that surrounded by the talent that they are undoubtedly going to have anyways, uh, it happens and it, and it hasn't occurred that way. So teams are built a little bit different to that in terms of your Georgia and your Michigan who, who historically haven't relied on a single star at the quarterback position and, and build tough up front. On both but, sides but that, of the ball. And that's always been made out to be not a good thing, though, right? Like, yeah, Georgia yeah. were falling short year over year over year because they didn't have that guy. Michigan, same thing. And we even saw it last year. And Harbaugh came out and said, we are that far off. And didn't infer that it was a quarterback issue, but a lot of people were like, oh, they're kind of limited. If they could just get that star quarterback, they'd, they've got the other pieces. And this year, it's kind of come together. And maybe you don't need that necessarily, which would be an awesome development for college football in that it feels more open this year. Which kind of brings me to my second point, which is this is the most open Heisman race we've had in years. Is that fair? Like we've had what four favourites over the course of the year? Yeah, look, Just it's, been a, it's like been a fun Hendon ride. Hendon Hooker's no, been there. Caleb Williams has been there. Bryce Young's been there. CJ Stroud's been there. You know, Blake Corum's name has been thrown up. Stetson Bennett's name's been thrown up. It just feels like it's it's kind of pretty open at the moment. Um, um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say so much at the moment. I think it's pretty well locked up now. In terms so you're of, saying Caleb Williams is the man? I think Caleb Williams is going to win it, and, it, and he's going to win it quite comfortably. But I would agree, over the last month, it could have been anyone, in terms of it could have been a half dozen blokes. And the, the two that we really expected it to be between in Bryce Young and CJ Stroud for the better part of the first half of the year 
aren't like like it ain't happening they're not the ones that have been at the sharp end whilst i've been in the conversation that they they are not the ones that it's focused in on so it, it has been all over the shop uh but it's interesting to see if, if usc lose this this week because that has a big bearing on definitely. those kind of decisions as well we won't get too hung up on that at this stage other couple of things hugh freeze to auburn luke fickle to wisconsin some coaching moves happening already um, I find the Wisconsin one interesting. It appeared like Jim Leonard was going to be the guy that was so keen to keep him. Um, but you get probably the best coach in group of five in terms of runs on the board. Uh, Luke Fickle has got to be a really um, prized recruit from a coaching standpoint. It is an interesting one, though, because he apparently turned down the Notre Dame job last year um, and said he wanted to stay in the state of Ohio. Uh, maybe looking at that Ohio State job. He's an alum, I believe, as well, and his family kinda, set up there. He kind of had it there, didn't he, for a little bit? He was, yeah. he was at least the interim guy there and didn't yeah. work out for him. I think so. he's got like 19 kids or something as well, oh. so kind of wanting to stay pit, stay put. But decides to not do that, and I, I don't know how I feel about taking Wisconsin. I just... The Big Ten, to me, obviously he was going to stay in Big Ten country. I just... Wisconsin, Nebraska, these older, like, powerhouse teams, they've got a funny fit to them now. Wisconsin, not so much as Nebraska, but, yeah, I just I just found that an interesting one. I thought he could have maybe jumped to something a little bit different. Or even continued building in Cincinnati with, with that program and the, the big city around it, moving into the Big 12. There's an opportunity to really continue on the ascension path and and be a power in the big 12 potentially in that in loss to Tulane really cost him it's, it looks like that way uh we've also got matt rule has i'm not sure we mentioned that last week signed on at nebraska i thought it was interesting reading through uh, some of the commentary around that specifically from nebraska fans didn't seem overly thrilled with the hire i would have thought it's a good get for him like they should be happy with that, but they still think they're a fucking elite program that should be getting out out there and grabbing like, you know, who? The, who? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know who they think they should have, but it's like, like a Lincoln Riley type type hire. But but who is like? Are they saying an established an established head coach is someone that they should have been able to get, or like an up and coming coordinator type? Because I don't even know who's really gaining traction at the moment as in terms of being big guys. Obviously, we hear Dion Sanders' names come up and kind of centered around UCF and Colorado. I believe he's been Colorado, offered the yeah. Colorado job, which I think is an interesting take by him. Um, but then outside of that, you've got, you know, Willie Fritz's name comes up again. Jamie Chadwell at um, Coastal Carolina comes up again. Uh, and, you know, there's a few other names, but it doesn't feel like there's this kind of home run group of five head coach that's that's due to take over or the coordinator um, that's going to come in and really turn things around Lance this Leopold. year. He's the man. He just signed a long-term contract at Kansas. He's not going anywhere. It's really hard for him to move off of that now as well, by or at least in the next couple of years. Now, don't get me wrong, a big program come in and, and pay that out. But anyway, um, yeah, a lot more to move. We won't get buried too much in the uh, the coaching carousel. We'll have plenty of time for that in the offseason. All right, let's close out last week. Let's get to these games. So let's start with the game, Michigan and Ohio State. Wow, I don't really know what to take away. I know we're going to do our loved, hated or spicy takes here. 
Michigan blew the doors off. Big playability was too much to manage. My voice is sounding like the Ohio State run defense in the fourth quarter. Um, but my spicy take from this, and I'm hearing whispers, and there's always whispers, and I think this is an emotional overreaction, but I've kind of semi-brought this up before, maybe not with as much conviction. Spicy take, Ryan Day will be fired before the end of 2024. Oof. That is very spicy. That is yeah, red-hot vindal. Like, and... I don't think he's a bad coach or anything like that, but Ohio State are talking national champions, and when you lose to Michigan twice in two years, recruiting apparently, yes, it's been good, but Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach, has been like the number one recruiter in the country for a long time. He apparently is taking an offensive coordinator job to go somewhere else, so you lose the best recruiter in the country. Is Ryan Day going to be able to withstand that? I don't know, but that is my take, and it's... uh, it is pretty spicy. It is very spicy. I, th- I still think Ryan Day is a good coach. I, oh, I, no, no doubt. No what, doubt. And, and most coaches fail, so it's actually not that spicy of a take. Like, he's been oh, there two years. He, yeah. It's pretty spicy. It's pretty three spicy in, in terms of where they're at as a top five program in, in the country and to think that they're going to pull the rug out because it's not happening. I, I think that's oh, no, a it's, bit of a knee jerk. I'm saying, t- I'm saying 2024, so it's... Two years losing to Michigan. It's then a third year next year of something would have to go pretty wrong. And then you'd have to go wrong again in 2024 for that to happen. But I just, I, I could see it. There is a path where this happens for sure. Yeah. Back, okay. to, the, back to the game, <laughs> just quickly. Is there anything that you kind of want to take away from it or thought... You're impressed at you know, how physical maybe Michigan was up front, and I, I think that that's a lot of what's been thrown around. That ever you know Michigan bullied them, and and they were too big and too strong up front. But for mine, I just think they called a hell of a game. I thought I thought yeah, Michigan. I, great take by you. Great take I, I, by you. Because yeah, I didn't think they blew them off the ball. It was maybe bad run fits, but it certainly wasn't. They were getting. Um, four yards of movement, and they were, you know, the running backs were seven yards in before they were getting contact. I 100% agree with you. Sorry. Exactly right. And you talked about it uh, right off the get go that there were big plays here, and, and a lot of that was players schemed open or, or calling, like setting things up to enable a big run or a big chunk play, and, and everyone's kind of patting uh, JJ McCarthy on the back for the fantastic game that he had. And don't get me wrong, he came up with some big plays where uh, Ohio State, Jim Knowles, heavy blitz defense, he was able to avoid that pressure and then hit open guys. That that is a combination of things. That is a good play call to anticipate what's going to happen there, to have trained your quarterback up to think that he needs to do this in order to be able to execute that. So I think for mine, what I loved about this was Michigan's ability to deliver on that plan that they obviously had throughout the week and then execute it here. That He hadn't thrown the ball for more than 45 yards once this year, I think. Like he had zero more than 45-yard plays. Uh, he scored three 45-yard touchdown passes in this yeah. game. Like it, yeah. And and it was the same, as you mentioned, late with the run. They, they kind of were able to grind them down a bit, but it was also that they were able to scheme things up to make it work for them. So 
on one hand, I was talking about Ryan Day, fantastic coach. It got well and truly outdone, like from a staff level in this one. And, and that was truly the difference. You can't tell me that this Michigan team stands up and is that much better than Ohio State. Absolutely not. It was how they schemed it up and, and how they executed on their plans that was the difference here. Yep. 100% agree, and uh, Michigan are playing. It's funny how spread offenses, all this kind of stuff, and you see a couple of teams that are in the playoff, Michigan and Georgia, uh, run first. Not necessarily run dominant, like as in run by necessity. Yeah. They can pass the ball as well, but they certainly want to live in that world, and, and they're getting it done. Um, so a bit of play action and, you know, quarterbacks going under center and all that sort of stuff that we're, probably feels a bit foreign in the the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State worlds that have been really dominant over the last kind of five years. Tell you what um, helps, my last point, what helps uh, a team like Michigan is that they've been able to get through undefeated when you play that brand of football because they've had half the games I've played this year have been fucking cupcakes. If you have to, if, if you have to front up every week with that, you're always at a risk of having an off day where things are a bit harder for you to kind of catch that one up. Where Michigan, they've only had to really dial it in for half the games that they've played. So I'm just, I just want to throw that out there. Cop that Big the, the, Ten the, and the, Michigan. The bottom of the Big Ten's a joke. Whoa, that is spicy. Now we're getting spicy. <laughs> I like this. So Purdue doesn't have a chance. Obviously, that's a cupcake. So <laughs> they've certainly shown cupcake tendencies across the year. Oh, the defense has for sure. I don't think they're <laughs> going to have too much trouble moving the ball on that Purdue run defense. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, Tulane Cincinnati wanted to touch on that one. You know, ranked matchup. Um, I love that Tulane gets to host the American Championship game. I think it's good that if you. Uh, I, I like the idea of it being home and away. I guess there's money involved with uh, championship ga and games being certain locations, and there's a bit of history around that as well, which I respect and understand. But if you've got a conference that can play that as a, as a home game and you've earned that, I don't have an issue with that, so I like that Tulane gets a host. Um, the other thing I loved was the run game variations by both teams in the game itself. Both passing games were, let's say, lackluster, uh, but a lot to like for the ability for Tulane and Cincinnati to run the ball. And I enjoy it. Uh, ebbs and flows at the moment for me. I like watching. I've just got into more and more blocking schemes on in the run game. So I like watching teams that can run the ball successfully. And um, I like I liked watching that in this particular game. So that was an enjoyable part for me. Yeah, I 100% agree. Ty J Spears, uh, the man for Tulane there, 35 carries, heavy, heavy workload on the day, but he rewarded them by going for over a buck 80, punching a couple of those in and, and really executing that plan that they had there on that side. So uh, he, he's been fantastic all year for them. I think he's now gone over 16, six, around 16 touchdowns uh, on the year which leads all of the, uh, the American Conference, and they'll look to do the same again heading into their big conference championship matchup. All right, let's kind of carry on a little bit then here. Uh, where do you want to go to next? I'll give you the choice. We can go to the Egg Bowl or we can go to the Civil War or the uh, Platypus Cup. Yes, I want the, the Civil War, please. I loved this game. I love this game. It was it was highly entertaining. What's up? 
Oh, you would love it. Like I did. Oregon had to try as hard as they could to shit the bed in this one and, <laughs> and give it up. Yeah, and, oh, and Oregon is kind of developing a rap in that space, right? And I know it came under Mario Cristobal, and you know they lost twice to Oregon, uh, to Utah last year, and you know they lost to that Stanford team a few years ago where they had like a ninety-nine percent win probability. <laughs> they Remember, turned it over on downs, it to, and then, it used to be Clemsoning. Before Clemson, yeah, right, Clemson, right, right, right. there was the term Clemsoning. I feel like yeah. Oregon are playing a dangerous game with what they're fucking yeah, around yeah. with at the moment. Oh, for sure. Now, I loved the thing I loved the most about this game was that Oregon State completed the comeback. They were down 31 10, um, and it looked all but done as well. It wasn't a close 31 10, it wasn't special teams plays and. Oregon State were moving the ball all the time. It was, they were getting completely outmatched and the game looked done and dusted. And then they kind of hung around, stuck around, and then they got things even. And I was like, uh, okay, maybe. Um, but then we've seen this so many times before where you have that big comeback, 21 point deficit, and you, you get things even. The hardest thing then is to go past that team and actually hold on for the win. And they did that. So I love that Oregon State actually completed the comeback. And they did so with just six passes caught by receivers all day. Six completed passes on the day, but that was enough to beat the Ducks. Yeah, look, I figured you'd be happy with it, and I'm happy for you because you haven't had a lot of joy across this year. So if we if we can get some of it out in this game here, then good for you, my man. Thanks. All right, egg bowl time as my voice continues to deteriorate. Mississippi, Mississippi State. Thoughts on the... I've got a lot of takes on this game. I don't know why, but I do. You've got a lot of takes on the, the early game. So, you obviously... Look, it was an enthralling contest, this one. Real seesaw, backwards and forwards. What you typically get out of the Egg Bowl. It's one of the more energetic rivalries in all of college football that you are pretty guaranteed to have uh, a close matchup. Obviously, this one was... A lot of speculation coming in that Lane Kiffin was going to be taking the Auburn job, and that was kind of overshadowing a lot of things at this point in the week. Uh, he's obviously now since come out and said, no, I'm sticking around at, at uh, Ole Miss. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. But I don't know how much that played a part in Ole Miss being somewhat underprepared here. I don't know. Uh, but fantastic matchup in the end, just from a pure spectacle standpoint. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts around parts of the game because for me it was just a real sit back, watch, enjoy, and who knows was, what's going to happen. It was just one, yeah, it, it was a bit crazy at the finish. I think for the second time in two weeks, and it's been a bit of a theme for the year, is that Old Miss start really, really well but couldn't capitalize. They had to settle for three field goals on their first three drives when, and there was a, actually they had a turnover on downs as well in there. Um, and they turned the ball over. They actually got a pick um, and should have had another one as well that was dropped. Um, but it, it just felt like Ole Miss had all these opportunities and couldn't put a decent distance between themselves and Mississippi State. I loved slash hated. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. And I don't know how I feel about it, but I think you'll like it. First quarter sack fumble of Will Rogers. So Will Rogers, Mississippi State quarterback, gets hacked. Ball squirts to the sideline, and Otis Reese, the safety for Ole Miss, 
is think you can see the cogs turning in his head as he goes to approach it. Obviously, when the ball squirts to the sideline, in line with the it gets a long way out of there, but um, in line roughly with the line of scrimmage. So the only the first people of the ball are always going to be defensive backs or wide receivers. And defensive backs obviously got a head start because they're coming downhill looking at the ball. He is four or five steps short of the ball and you can see the cogs ticking over. He's like, I'm going to fucking scoop and score here. I've definitely got this. And his, and his steps slow down because he's trying to get the get his eyes locked in to, to pick up the ball and scoop and score. And he's going so slow by the point <laughs> where he needs to pick up the ball. And he just took way too long. Tulu Griffin actually comes sliding in and beats him to the ball and dives on it where you, you if if Otis Reese just falls on the ball there, they're in field goal range already. Instead, Mississippi State keep the ball. They end up punting it away, but it's just another opportunity that the miss and, and I know your take on it is you always gotta go for the scoop and score. You oh, always ob- gotta obviously. Go. <laughs> but but I will also defend my man here. Uh, in the defensive backfield because I know originally before playing myself watching this you would see these scenarios you go and the amount of times dudes are like whiffing at the ball or it's squirting yeah, out someone yeah. gets their hands on it and then it bounces out to someone else and it's like just pick the fucking thing up because Aussie <laughs> rules background it's it's yeah. a big part of the game right you get over the ball you scoop it up and it, it, it happens consistently throughout a match where I think the biggest difference here is obviously the headgear the shoulder pads you lose a lot of that natural kind of movement down there where it, it is harder it is it's more uncomfortable and awkward to move your body to, to pick it up so I'm gonna you got to slow down to get yourself right to, to do that. And if, if someone undercuts you there because they're a little bit more desperate for it, then that's just a missed opportunity. But you got to back yeah. yourself in. I also love the other thing I loved in this one was the crazy finish. We haven't seen a lot of these nuts kind of finishes. Mississippi State up 24-16, driving to ice the would effectively ice the game. They're at the goal line and you go zone read with Will Rogers from about the one-yard line. Just under five minutes to go. So they go in here, score it. You're up by 15. Game's probably over at that point. Especially considering Ole Miss have only scored 16 points up until that point. Zone read, he fumbles at the goal line on like, it wasn't a big collision helmet on the football fumble. It was like, dude just kind of rakes the ball. Oops. Ball gets out. Ole Miss recover it. It's like, okay, so you got the length of the field to drive. They've only put up 16. They've struggled to really move the ball in the second half. They convert two fourth downs and score a touchdown. They then have to go to two, go for two to tie it up. They don't manage to do that. But I was like, oh, that would have been so good if that goes to overtime and you lose that game. But just a, one of those weird finishes. But a really entertaining game, like you said. Um, and Mississippi State, Hale State, they, uh, they get home in the end. They sure did. Okay, uh, where are we going to go? NC State, UNC. I mean, I don't know. This was ranked. Uh, you probably don't have too many takes on this. It was fine. It was a competitive game. It had a 9-1 and one team in it. It went how to was my boy, time. How was my boy Drake May? Is he good? Yeah, he, no, really good. Like, he had, oh, he had some moments. Like, he, he gets through his progressions pretty well, and he's sneaky athletic. Yeah, I, he is. I, that's probably harsh. He's actually probably better than sneaky athletic. He can run the ball in a very genuine way. Um, but I'd like, and this is a bit of a, uh, I don't know if it's a young person thing. You do see tendencies with it. Loves looking over the middle a lot. Won't hit 
as many guys outside the numbers. That's probably a bit harsh on him, but he does like to to dial it into to the middle of the field. And anyway, um, but it just was uh, uh, something about ACC games just doesn't get me that excited this year. And um, you know, NC State get over the line in the end, and it was a meh kind of game. Yeah, I've been feeling that way about the ACC for some time. Yeah, I've got a take on that later as well. Um, apart from that, what else have we got? We've got Notre Dame, USC. We've got LSU, Texas A&M probably needs a mention. Florida, Florida State, um, maybe worth a quick mention there. I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll circle back to LSU, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, USC. But just to put the Florida, Florida State game to bed, very swift turnaround for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles this year. They are probably the best team in Florida after being preseason considered an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, and his first two to three years there haven't been good, uh, but he's got that thing turned around and an arrow up there for the Seminoles. So well done to them. Um, and they are looking better and better and would be eyeing off a, a, a ACC championship game next year, I would think. Yeah, look, college football is better with a strong Florida state. Let's calm down on that. Um, LSU, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame-USC, anything on those games? I think the Notre Dame-USC played out somewhat as we expected. Like, Notre Dame, tight unit, but not not to the standard of Caleb Williams. Like They, they just weren't able to keep up in, in this shootout here, so... Uh, Caleb Williams really just kind of flexed his Heisman muscle in this one for mine to, to get the job done himself. He was very impressive with four touchdowns. I think he had, what, three on the ground in this one. Uh, and that that LSU A&M game, I know in the lead-up to it, I was kind of bagging a little bit saying, why do we care? A&M are, are terrible. But yeah. they're talented enough to win a game like this. Really disappointing for LSU to have kind of started poorly, then built themselves to where they were. But it's, it is it is a risk of playing against talented teams like this week in, week out, where you don't have to be far off when you're up against a team in hostile confines. You can drop these ones. And... I don't, I don't know where to from for A&M from here. Like, yay, whoop-de-doo, was that win four for the season or something? Really disappointing. Um, yeah. But sure, hopefully you can build off of that, keep the guys around, keep them interested. You don't have access to Exodus at the portal, which is a risk these days, much more so than ever before. Uh, and LSU have just got to be thinking, well, we've we've blown a shot here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were that was teeing up to be the game this week that we kind of mentioned earlier. Is that was probably a win and in for LSU if that if they'd got past Texas A and M here in the, in the mm-hmm, national mm-hmm. champion in the playoff, but yeah, that does not look like it will be the case. All right, let's finish off with our punters, probably for the last time this year, unless there's anything else you want there's to touch just, on. Just one more, South Carolina upsetting Clemson, probably worth a mention. 31-30, South Carolina back-to-back top 10 wins, I think, now, with the, the Tennessee ex- like, We came into the year thinking that South Carolina were going to do more of this, and yeah, it came late, but we were sort of... We were both in that, on it. We both liked yeah. it. We, we both liked the team. We thought they had the pieces. We thought they could surprise. And then it didn't really happen. They were kind of disappointing. So, yeah. Well, late than never. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay, punters for the last time this year. Yes. So, last last time, they've now narrowed down the uh, Ray Guy finalists. 
So we're down to three, uh, and I'm happy to say that Australians make up 66.66% of those three. We've got two of the top three, which is fantastic. Uh, the first there that I will quickly mention, Bryce Barringer at uh, Michigan State has had a really good year. So he's leading it from a pure yardage standpoint. His numbers are the best. He's averaging 49 yards a punt. The problem is he's out kicking his coverage a little bit. Uh, so he's had some returns on that. Uh, nothing significant. Hasn't given up the touchdown of the year. He's been fantastic. Uh, he's a, what, six-year senior at Michigan State, having started at he's Illinois 45. for a year. He, well, he's still younger than all the Aussie boys, but... Uh, <laughs> He has been good, so so full credit to him. But if we change gear, we look at Mason Fletcher. One of the year winners. Two, year two at Cincinnati. Uh, he has been fantastic on the year. And what we've seen from him, whilst averaging 46.5 yards uh, through the air, his net is 44.7, which is, is super high, right? That means he's not putting too many through into the end zone where, where you're losing valuable yards there and he's not having too many return. He, By comparison, he's given up 70 return yards on the year to uh, old mate Barringer's 83. So it's, it's a better number there. Still um, not many, is it? It's not a heap. It's not a heap. My NCAA but, numbers are better than that. But now let's look at our last man, the record holder, Adam Corsack, Rutgers University. This is his fifth season at the program, punting full-time, and man, oh man, has he been good. So his, his raw numbers, not so good in terms of 44 yards per, but on his, his net's 43.6. He's had only eight balls returned, and that's for a sum total of a negative 11 yards. Not bad. <laughs> so, he's, so he's better when people try and return his punts. Yeah. He, they're coming down with snow on him by the sounds of things. So, I mean, we, we've been talking to him up all year. All three of these boys have been fantastic, but especially big kudos to the, the two Aussie boys there. And I think they're both in with a really, really red-hot crack at bringing this back down under. Well, I think he Corsak was a first-team All-American before the season started as well. So he was like odds-on favourite to win it. He yes. might win it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which even more impressive. All right, let's get to week 14. We're going to work through these chronologically in... Well, mostly chronologically with the championship games only. I do not care about a Mac catch-up game. Um, so let's jump straight into the Pac-12. Utah versus USC. A rematch of one of the games of the year, probably. If you think back, 43-42 to the Utes. Utah come from behind, drive to score at the end there. Cam Rising rushes in a two-point conversion um, and probably has one of his best games for the year. Both QBs put up big numbers in that game. But playing the same team twice in a season is never an easy task. You are going to have to make changes. I'm taking USC in this one, but how do you reckon this one plays out and why? Well, I think that's a really good point that you make there around playing a team a second time and then looking at, at coaching credentials and, and how they've gone previously and where they stack up there. And I know uh, Lincoln Riley considered you know one of the great, the great offensive minds in all of college football, but these sorts of situations have historically been where he's been found out a little bit at times. Uh, and, and the offensive scheme perhaps uh, doesn't 
bode so well here, where he's coming up against someone like Kyle Whittingham, who is one of the the, the better schemers and all-round coaches uh, and 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 program leads. So it's fascinating matchup for me because I genuinely think USC have the more talented playmakers. It's not a surprise in terms of what we've seen across the year. Uh, there was a question mark around the guys that they brought in on the portal, Williams, Addison, Travis Dyer. Are they going to live up to the big names that they carry? I think they have. They've come yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, Travis Dyer, lit, or, I mean, injured. <coughs> but, he he yeah. got hurt and he missed out. But the, uh, but the other two have certainly been fantastic for them and quickly turned around the fortunes of this program that was going nowhere, really, before this Ouch. year. Oh, they were, they, they've been irrelevant. Uh, and this is a program that expects more. Um, so to, to have that come in is big for them. But this Utah team, again, and our preseason darling, we both thought could get it done, yeah. have had their downs. But oof, I, I would watch out for... Right, uh, now I'm nervous. Now you've got me <laughs> nervous. I mean, but I'm going to stick with my initial thing and my initial uh, thoughts on this in terms of a result. But yeah, I mean, for the first time in maybe for what feels like forever outside of like the Zach Moss Utes, where they could just like run over people. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the offense actually has some some big playability, and it's not just all put on the defense for Utah. Uh, Dalton Kincaid at the tight end position yeah. is a legit star. Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get, though, with this Utah offense. It's been spotty, it's been sporadic, and Cam Rising has had moments, but he's also played down at times, turned the ball over, struggled to get to second like second and third reads and, and get off that tight end. Probably hasn't had a winner on the outside consistently um, that, he can, that he can use up um, in, as, a, as a wide receiver. So... I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going to take USC, but I, I understand, fully understand your points, and I think they are perfectly well-made and well-reasoned, is, is that defense does tend to hold up in rematches, um, maybe more so than, than offense, and USC's uh, defense has not been anything special this year, that is for sure. Yes. I'd love to see USC make it in. I'm just really wary for them this week. A win and in. Win and in for them, surely, at this point. Yep. K-State and TCU in the Big 12. Um, it feels like both of these teams have kind of come out of nowhere, but nobody more than the Wildcats, I guess. I was picking K-State to really bottom out this year. Top 25 scoring defense on the year, which is fantastic um, for Kansas State. But in the last two games, giving up 27 points to Kansas, 31 to West Virginia. You're going against one of the top offenses in, in the Big 12, TCU blew the doors off Iowa State last week, 62 points. Max Duggan and Quinton Johnson have been living by the explosive plays and like serious volume of them as well. They're probably not going to put together consistent 13, 14, 15 play drives on you, but they will get chunk plays and they will score points. And then you kind of team up those those particularly Quinton Johnson in, in at the wide receiving position with a solid run game, something special, but certainly solid run game. I think for me, if K-State can shut down that explosive play, and that's not an easy thing to do, but if you can take that explosive play away, if they can run the ball well and maybe reduce the amount of possessions in the game, I think, 
Um, you may have a shot at winning it, but the only one for sh- that's really done that against TCU is Texas. Um, but Pace, I think that's their avenue to winning. Otherwise, I see this being fractionally one-sided. I, I would be surprised if we got a one-sided matchup in this one. I think it will be tight. I think Case start, both teams senior heavy, a lot of experience on both sides of the ball. Uh, and whilst it is surprising to have this as the Big Twelve Championship matchup, it's very deserved of across the year of, of where they've played and, and how they've performed collectively. Earlier on in the season, TCU got the best of this matchup, obviously with them undefeated, but they won by ten points at home. Uh, so now you, you move that to a, a neutral field, which is close to, to TCU land, like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the suburb over. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it will be fascinating to see if that tightens things up at all in this. But again, we mentioned it last one, comes down to the coach's abilities to, to make adjustments off of that first one. I think... TCU are, are, are that fairy tale story at the moment. The one of the the few undefeateds that especially like doesn't quite feel like you've got a lot of faith in it. But it, it's fun to jump on that roller coaster and and see where it takes you. So for mine, it, it it'd be good to to watch that continue on. They and, and need to win because you feel like a loss here. It'll Just, be brutal. It'll be heartbreaking because it will. They, they'll be done. They'll be. They'll be yeah, done. which is ridiculous. But they will be gone, and they will take a two-loss Alabama over or a one-loss Ohio State or a one-loss Ohio State, like non-conference championship yep. playoff team, and they will take them over TCU. So TCU have to go and win. Don't stumble at the last hurdle here. You've done everything right so far this year. You've had some tight matchups. You had you've had big ranked matchups. You've gone on the road and won tough games. Don't now get ahead of yourselves. You have got the ability to go and win this game. Sonny Dykes has done a fantastic job. Probably coach of the year, I guess, for me. He'd have to be in that conversation for sure. Um, but don't now let it all down and, and allow Deuce Vaughan that little that little, little man to just run all over you. Now, now I don't know if this is deliberate or not, but I think you've nailed it so far in, like, most intriguing or, or if I'm ranking the, the games in order of interest and, and, and just general appeal for me, I think uh-huh. I've got that Pac-12 one top. I've got the Big yep. 12 one second. Yeah. What do you reckon we can slide into the third? Well, chronologically, it from here. It chronologically, it would from here. go SEC, but you clearly don't want to do that. Well, I, th- I think it, oh, UCF I Tulane is that where you're going? Yeah, I think that becomes the number three game. I think that's the one that I'm ne- next most interested in. All right, well, let's do it then. Who you got? Look, I am a massive Big 12 homer, so I'm going to take UCF to, to get the job done here. Look, they have had a lot of success over this Tulane program uh, historically, and I think it's probably unfair to cast that historic shadow back because this Tulane team is not the Tulane team we've seen in the past. They've elevated I mean, they themselves. beat them this year, so kind of makes UCF sense. did. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but it was a tight game. Uh, only, only one score in it, quite a high-scoring affair. Yeah. Uh, what was that, Two, three weeks back now? So, so not yeah. all that long, long ago. But Tulane have been really good 
um, consistently throughout the year. And, and it's no fluke that they've fallen their way in here. They beat the aforementioned Kansas State, who've been fantastic at one point. And, and back then it felt like, oh, yeah, that was a fluke and Kansas State are garbage and, and these guys aren't all that much. It's, well, actually, this Tulane team is legit. I yeah. just think the UCF program have got more experience in these big games uh, and, and that'll certainly help throughout this that they have been playing at the top of the conference for quite some time now and I think that gives them a bit of an edge going into this one and uh, I think that'll help them win it yeah I, I mean I don't know I, I'm taking Tulane in this one again you, you're asking UCF who won at home in yeah it was tight but they kept them at arm's length I, I thought they actually probably deserved to win that game by more you got a lot out of the QB run game with John Reese Plumley for UCF and Tulane have got to be dialed into stopping that. I don't. If you want to bring an extra safety down in the box, if you want, to, you've got to have someone fill that alley, um, and make sure that you don't let that uh, QB run game get off the chain because that's what happened last time. And I think you've got to think about bringing some bodies in um, closer to the line of scrimmage, make John Reese Plumley beat you with his arm. And we know that UCF have got a long history of just being able to churn out passing yards as well, but. I think you'd prefer that. It was kind of like dying a slow death with that QB run game last time, and you just don't want to play in that world again. But Tulane host, as we mentioned earlier, UCF are now on the road. You've got to go down to New Orleans, and um, you've got to go and and win that game um, down in Louisiana, and, and that's a much harder road trip to make. The only other point I'd say on this is Tulane are coming off the back of a tough road win against Cincinnati <laughs> that was a, a, a play-in game. Um, and does that have any kind of long-term impact? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You're probably at this stage of the year, just you're all running on fumes a little bit anyway. I'm expecting Michael Pratt, who was a little bit flat last week. He didn't have a great game despite the points they put up last time against UCF. I think they're going to add a little bit more balance. I think if they get enough deep shots, good run game, That'll be enough, and, and I'm picking them to beat UCF this week. Ooh, okay. All right, let's, let's wind it back to LSU Georgia. LSU dropped the ball last week, quite literally, as we mentioned over the Aggies. Georgia have been unstoppable this year, and got a kind of couple of little takes on this, but they had one, they had one weird game against Mizzou, but outside of that, they've pretty much looked untouchable. The, one of the best defense in the country, number one scoring defense in the country. Um, Stetson Bennett's been great, great. A good running game. And I need to probably eat a little bit of crow here because the the natives in, in Athens, Georgia, were out on Kirby Smart after kind of year three. He was this gung-ho recruiter, and we kept talking about it. I remember, oh, Georgia, they can they make the leap? Can they actually get it done? They've, they've got all these dudes. Not dissimilar to kind of... Texas, where Texas A&M are at the moment, almost. They're not, they've had better records, but in terms of the volume and quality of players they got in, there was so many for so many years, and he just wasn't winning. He was barely kind of competing, and they're like, well, if we just got Mark Richt, younger version, <laughs> defensive coordinator version that can't win it. But he hasn't done that. He has gone in um, from that point on, and, and with probably their worst quarterback, <laughs> really, in terms of in being incredibly underrated when he took the reins. Well, I mean, they had, what, JT Daniels, they had Justin Fields, they had, you know, a whole range of... Sorry? 
Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason. Yeah, they had a whole bunch of guys that were highly rated and it's been Stetson Bennett that's got him across the line, which I find really, really interesting. So they're built to win in a variety of ways, Georgia. I guess the question is, can LSU come out and kind of shock the world here and maybe bounce back after that Texas A&M game? It wouldn't surprise me because that's what college games, those college games happen against this Georgia team. I doubt it, but your thoughts, Will? Things do shift wildly from week to week in the college football world, but as it stands, this Georgia team is the best team by a wide margin. Like, they are number one, and then there is daylight, and I know Michigan have just had a fantastic victory, and, and you could probably put a case forward to say, hey, wait a second, what about... I still think back to last year's game and go, well, if I'm going to put these two together in terms of Michigan, Georgia, would I expect much of a different outcome from what I've seen so far? Probably not. Different, I think, different years. You can't be doing that. Can't be I, I know you can't be doing can't that, be but bad. I think this Georgia team is that good that it, it's, it's a similar sort of situation. And unlike last year where you had an Alabama who you're like, oh, actually, maybe these guys could match up with them. I don't think that exists. TCU ain't yeah. matching up with them. USC ain't matching up. Like, it is Georgia, and it, then it is daylight. And this LSU team, whilst it's been cool for Brian Kelly to, to make it into the championship game in his first year, well done. They ain't winning this, man. Like, it, it ain't happening. They're, they are not at that level uh, with where they're at right now, and, and Georgia are going to continue to roll, even though, as we were talking about off-air before this started, this is essentially a bye week for them. They could lose... Yeah. And they still go in. They Just won't. close. They even won't. If they lose, even if they even lose. if they lose big, they get a pass. What what's the what's the margin where they don't get in? This is a silly game, but let's say twenty eight. <laughs> Far out. I hope LSU win by twenty seven. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that. I think Georgia got too much. They, they're going to run the ball well. They're going to bring, you know, multiple big sets. You're going to have two tight ends, three tight ends on the field. You're going to go play action. We know what they're going to do, but they're just really good at it. And they've got these slight... They're almost like a... Pro, like I mean, they do run a pro-style offense, but it's the adjustments that they make week to week and the depth of their playbook from a play-action standpoint, from QB role game and sprint out stuff that like they've got a, a pro style offense that allows them to be varied in, in how they attack you. Um, and that is one of the big strengths. You know, we, we talk about going fast and spread offenses and stuff, but going fast and, and doing that limits your play calling ability. These guys have got a full big ass playbook that they can go to. And they do um, that has got explosive elements. It's got run game, bringing a range of different blocking schemes they've got a whole bunch of passing concepts that they can go to they can get dudes in the flat they can bring fullbacks they can bring tight ends they can they've got everything that you could possibly want and they can execute it as well so i've fallen in love with teams like this before and had them kill me i think i did it with an alabama team one year it was just like there's no one touching them so i'm not going to go that hard in because someone can beat them they are beatable they're not the best team of all time but it seems unlikely in 2022. Yes. Big 10 time. 
Michigan, Purdue, and as we kind of mentioned, Michigan, a team that's kind of built the same way as Georgia, run first. They've got a dude like Brock Bowers is the unique guy in Georgia from a position perspective. Feels like Michigan's kind of got their own version of that in Donovan Edwards, a um, bit of a gadgety running back, um, wide receivery type, obviously very different to Brock Bowers in terms of skill set, but he's certainly electric, and he was the one that iced the game last year, uh, last week in the backfield. Um, but also that unheralded quarterback as well with JJ McCarthy, um, comparing him to Stetson Bennett. Some doubt, as we mentioned about Aiden uh, O'Connell playing for Purdue this week, um, and if that's the case, I give Purdue zero, absolutely zero chance. Um, but if he does suit up, I think they've got a good chance of losing by only two touchdowns. Okay, only two touchdowns. I mean, this is the ultimate. We talked about it in, in the kickoff here that this is the ultimate where we saw the big match last week, the Ohio State-Michigan game. That was the conference championship game. That was the one we all watched. Now we get to watch uh, uh, how many team, what, games have Purdue lost? Three, four? Like a, a three loss per do team roll in here. I ain't interested in this. I, Let me I, check I that actually because they're unranked. It, it it it's not great. And and, and yes, last week was great. No, they're eight that. And that four. was fantastic. Eight and four, so four lost team. Like they've been. T- uh, they've had a tough schedule, dude. <laughs> they haven't. They played in the shitty Big Ten. They lost to Penn State, Syracuse, who are fucking awesome. Uh, Wisconsin and Iowa. Mm, okay. I mean, Wisconsin fired their coach. I made so, the argument so every that game Iowa they won should then, fire their coach. It, <laughs> you know, like, I, I made the teams. argument that Iowa should fire their coach. I made the argument that Penn State should fire their coach. And Wisconsin did fire their coach. Mm. And they lost to all of those teams. Yes. So, look, I, I just can't get excited for this match. Uh, I think it's good for Michigan that they get another easier game on their easy, nice little schedule that they've had in in the lead-up to the playoffs for them because they are going to be a genuine contender to this Georgia side this year and, and good for them. But in terms of this match here, don't If care. they lose, do they go in? Oh, no, I don't know. It gets hard. <laughs> it gets really hard, man. Okay, it's so. either like the, the, all of this is either going to be really simple for the college football playoff committee, or they're going to have to work so hard to justify why they put Alabama in. <laughs> they won't have to justify. It. They're like Alabama are in. TCU lose the championship game. They go to nine and one. Alabama USC Alabama in. <laughs> USC, uh, sorry, nine and one. They go to twelve and one. Um, USC lose? No, they win. Oh, they're probably in. That's not a great call. Um, Georgia lose, go to 12-1. and one. Michigan lose, go to 12-1. and one. So you got Michigan, Georgia, TCU, Ohio State. Is that your top four then? No, USC go in? I don't know. Sounds it's, shit. It's very tricky. Very tricky at that point. So let's not play this game and let's knock over this last this last Power 5 Conference Championship game. Here, okay. Man. Clemson versus UNC. This feels like a, like a pseudo Big 12 game uh, from like historically in that it's a championship game which didn't necessarily exist but a championship game that holds no weight in the scheme of things. You've got 
You've got <laughs> you've got some quarterback play that's going to be up and down. Defenses are probably questionable on one side of the ball, and no one really cares. So, um, yeah, are, where are you, you at here with this? You are out of line, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. um, Drake May is probably the only thing that would get me excited by this. If you get good DJU, I think Clemson win. If you get bad DJU, I think UNC win. Clemson's defense is probably the best thing about this game. Um UNC's defense is not that great, though their offense is solid. Uh, I think Clemson will have their opportunities, but again, it's going to come down to which quarterback is going to play consistently well. Well, and I still think that this offers a really entertaining matchup. So you're spot on that it, it doesn't mean anything in terms of where these two go outside of an ACC championship. And for North Carolina, that means a lot. For Clemson, they've been doing a lot lately, so they're kind of like, oh, yeah, the, the shelf's looking pretty full. North Carolina, <laughs> it'd be really cool for them to, especially from where they started the season uh, and how they've grown to this point in the year. And I think it is a fascinating matchup with two incredibly talented uh, signal callers uh under center it dju you met is an enigma and if you see the best of yeah, them that's, it, that's it is problematic right up there. <laughs> that is problematic and, and drake drake may is the best young player in all the college football so yeah. i think it's, it's worth checking out for that alone in this one i think it could be entertaining uh i don't like that i'm sticking up for the acc you're the one saying you know who cares? Back off, man! I'm I'm mine. fucking out on college football. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not. I just I, I should be excited. Miami season's over, and we know if there's one <laughs> thing that Miami do well, it's the not football the off season. Exactly, yeah. like, off season's our time. Off season is our time. Please tell me Josh Gaddis has been fired. I'm just going to quickly get an update on that. Carry on. All right. Um, Coastal Carolina versus Troy in the Sun Belt. Uh, North Texas versus the UTSA Roadrunners and get around Frank Harris and the Roadrunners. Toledo versus Ohio in the MAC, Fresno State and Boise State. Boise State underrated to start the year have come really, really good. Fresno State, who I thought was going to be like really good, got through but a bit scratchy at times. Um, any takes on, on those particular conference games? Not massively. So as you mentioned, UTSA being really good this year. So I think they're very deserving. The Fresno-Boise one is very open, uh, as is the Toledo-Ohio uh, matchup there with what's going to go on. And then I think Troy are the better team in that Coastal Carolina matchup, but Jeremy Chadwell has, has done fantastic stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back after the shellacking they caught last week into the Conference Championship game and and somehow win something like how much how often do you lose by 40 points and then the next week win your conference championship i don't think that would happen all that often yeah i don't know breaking news we never do breaking news but <gasps> um pete thamel don't know who he is but reporting that hudson card the texas quarterback has entered the transfer yeah, so portal. he should it's, it's yeah i mean time. Co- like he ain't getting it done so good for him yeah yeah uh, uh and the SMU. SMU? The, nah, he'll get a better someone will offer him. Like he's he's an intriguing prospect. He'll go to SMU. <laughs> Not everyone goes to SMU. They all leave Texas or Oklahoma and go to SMU. It's just what happens, mate. Um, but the portal is filling up fast. If you're not like checking in on that thing on like a daily basis you are missing yeah things. and if your coach actively says he's not interested in recruiting the portal and doesn't want to go near it it's not great 
<laughs> I reckon we're going to see teams this year. We saw USC do it. They brought in, what, 18 or something from the portal. I think you're going to see teams bringing in 20-ish. Wow. Um, because if you, you, know, you combine that with seniors leaving and 25 new high school kids in, you've moved half your roster over. And that is what new coaches are going to want to do just to get those culture fits. All right, uh, let's get to the worst part of your weekend, and that is going on the punt. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 Look, it is not necessarily the worst part of my weekend. It's also not the strongest, but I think this week is... There's reason to celebrate in the results that we had from last week in that I have uh, outperformed you. So that's good enough. You don't have to be quicker than the lion. You just have to be quicker than your mate. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. When running away from said lion. So look, I I put in a 50% performance this week. And I previously mentioned this. I don't like going 50% because it doesn't help me. It doesn't help you. When When I go poorly, at least I know... Those long-time listeners are making money because they're betting against me. Because that, that's a, it's a good strategy. It's it's a profitable strategy over the, time. The bookies are happy though. Yeah, I mean, they're actually probably. No, I mean, happy yeah, if the, you go. Well, yeah, I, our massive followership obviously swings that a little bit. Uh, but you, mate, oof, oof, we don't often see you go under fifty percent. So you got to be disappointed. You got to. Yeah, I went two and three. I didn't, and I didn't love a lot of those picks. And you even said it. And I think the ones. Yeah, my thumbs up, thumbs down situation that I gave you, I think I was pretty bang, bang on. Yeah, yeah, and And I I wish I'd got out of something. The LSU-Texas A&M one was probably the big stinker for me. Um, But Michigan plus eight versus Ohio State, I I nearly took them to win it, and obviously... But but you could also match that with your your Tennessee minus 13 and a half at Vandy. They won by, what, 60 points or some shit? Like, (laughs) fucking hell. Easy. All right, let's get to uh, championship weekend. You've got five for us. I didn't find this week. You got four, yeah. And that's probably fair. I didn't find this week that easy. Obviously, less options on the board. Slim pickings. And you just don't know what you're getting in big games. I mean, you never know really what you're getting week to week. But, yeah, it just feels the lines are tighter. It feels more NFL betting stuff. It's like everything is kind of under seven points and it's really hard to pick. All right, well, let me give you my picks then. Uh, We'll get straight into it. I've I've gone against the grain, what I'd usually bet. So I've got a couple straight up and down that I feel quite strongly about. Boise minus three uh, versus Fresno. So they're playing at home in this one. I really like this pick. I think on the blue turf there, Boise uh, are known winners of this championship game. Fresno have been disappointing this year somewhat. Like, obviously, not super disappointing. They made it a conference championship game. I just think Boise's second half of the year, when Hank Backmeyer kind of moved out and, and they moved ahead there, they've been looking good. I expect them to win this and win it well, so cover that three points, like the Broncos. Uh, and then on the flip side, I'm taking a three and a half UCF. Uh, against Tulane so this one they're on the road I I think it's a a lot of what I said during our preview of this game Uh, they've had the success historically over this team they've beat them during the during the year they have 
experience in these big matchups. I expect them to have a fantastic outing here and and to to be getting three and a half points. Yep, thank you very much. I'll I'll eat that every day of the week for there. And then where I've changed things up a little bit, I've gone over unders. You know, I'm not a big over under guy. It's all uh, worth the same, mate. But uh, you're dead set right. And I, I, I just really couldn't pick winners but between them here, but I did like a few spots. So first one, uh, North Texas UTSA, 68 and a half. I think it's going to go under that. I think that's a big Ooh. number. I would have uh, gone over on that. Okay. Both offenses are pretty prolific. They are. And they since are, you're going under, I feel very <laughs> confident that the over is I'm, what you should bang there. I'm, I'm happy to uh, to hear that there. Now, look, I think when these two teams have historically gone together, just looking through the numbers, uh, they, they often cancel each other out a lot. And, and we see lower than expected scores. So I think that may be why that number is a little bit lower, but I'll continue to fade that and take the under there. And then on the flip side of that, I'm, uh, I'm going the Coastal Troy matchup. I'm going over 48 and a half. So that's, that's quite a low little number there, 48 and a half. And obviously expectations are that defences control this matchup. I think there is enough firepower there and that we're going to see some points put up. And uh, I'll go over that 48 and a half. All right. I've got six. Mm. So you've taken Boise. I'm going to yes. go Fresno. You've taken Ooh. US. No, I'm joking here. <laughs> I, I was just going to fade you there. But okay. no, I'm taking Boise minus three as well. 100% agree with your take on that. I'm going USC minus three. Um, I know you gave a pretty sound argument as to why you should steer clear of that Pac 12 game, and that's fair enough. But I'm going to take the Trojans um, in that game. I'm taking the under in that as well. We saw, a, what, 85 points put up last time. The offenses are good, yes, but. The second time around, defenses generally get the better of things and things tighten up a little bit. So I'm taking the under 67. Give me TCU minus two and a half versus K-State. I probably don't need to make too many more arguments around that. I'm going to take Tulane minus three and a half. I I could see them threading the needle here, like winning but not covering. Um, But I'm going to take them to cover. Uh, I, I think that, again, second time around, they're at home. Um, they're effectively saying they're a half a point favourite uh, if you get three points at a neutral site. So, you know, uh, I think they're probably better than that, or six and a half points. Yeah, with all this uh, commentary here, I'm going to update my UCF plus three and a half to just UCF win. So straight yeah, up fair. UCF. <laughs> yeah, good. And my last one is the Ohio Bobcats in the MAC. Plus two and a half. You know what, fuck it. Take them outright against Toledo. There has to be uh, an upset here, and there's a lot of favorites being picked. So someone's got to go down, and if it's somebody, it's always the Mac. It is always (laughs) the Mac that is just a weird, upsetty game. So a high to upset Toledo in the Middle American Conference. I, th- I, th- I think you're playing yourself here, though, mate. I think the Mac is so crazy that the expectation now <laughs> is that the, the upset's on, so then it's going to be the reverse of that. We're inception in this bad boy. I mean, that's fair enough. My only thing is I find Toledo and the Rocket mascot a strange fit in college <laughs> football. I don't know if we want to deep dive on that right now. We do not. But there's a lot of Wildcats... <laughs> Um, there's a lot of Open animals, dogs. and Huskies. you've gone like I would have thought like Houston rather than don't be a cougar, be the Houston astronauts or something like I I would that makes sense there right, 
Yep. But Toledo, like, why a rocket? I, I just... And I'm all for different things. I'm all for, you know, the we could have the fighting... fighting camels. The fight of... Give me the camel fighting camels. Um, I think they've had a good year this year as well. We should probably check in on the Pioneer League. Currently have a better at. recruiting class than the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Yeah, that, I mean, ouch. Uh, <laughs> that's the case most of the time, though, isn't it? Ugh. Yeah, they've got like 700 commits, though. Have you seen it? Like... It's like their average is super low, but they've just got sheer volume. Putting up numbers. Yeah, exactly. All right, that brings us to the end of our conference championship preview. The season is done. We are here. This is nuts. I don't know that I'm ready for the season to be over, especially because my off-season often consists of going back and watching games, and there's zero Miami games that I want to watch <laughs> this year. So I don't know what I'm... I need I need a new team to watch. Maybe we'll go back and watch some Oregon. Um, anyway, uh Burnley Brewing, Vault Studio Podcasts, uh, at CFB Down Under on Instagram. Anything else also, from you, Will? We may be a little bit sporadic between now and uh, the end of the year. I know next week you're out of action, so I'll look to try and get in uh, a bit of a conference championship recap if possible. If not, you might not hear from us. It might be the following week where we can touch on that slightly and then do a few of our bowl game matchups that we like, but... We'll, uh, we'll have to play it by ear a little bit. We'd love to hear thoughts from anyone out there as to if there's anything else specific they want to hear from in, in this off-season period. We're, we're kind of open to it. But, uh, I like we, that we, you're storyboarding on, uh, like, this is the first conversation we've had around this and we're just doing it on we this episode. We are a well-oiled machine, my friend. Yeah. Five yep. years in. All right. Okay, on behalf of that guy over there, my name is Aaron Kemp. That's Will Mjordan, and thank you for joining us. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.